Hi everyone, welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Everyday Podcast where we discuss resettlement, mindset and motivation. Today's conversation is with Ian Griffiths. So I've only met Ian once at an event um, held by another friend of the podcast, John Stevenson, and we've been flirting online ever since. I'm not sure how long he's been on LinkedIn, but we'll, we'll dive into that. He's the Managing Director of Ian Griffiths Cleaning Solutions and the Party Tent Company Northwest Limited, and he recently set up the British Armed Forces Resettlement Community on Facebook, and over the short time, they are approaching 6,500 people, which is obviously fantastic and rapid growth. So we're going to talk um, all about that. And Ian is also a former um, operator mechanic in the Royal Navy. So, yeah, he's obviously from an ex-forces background as well. So, yeah, Ian, hello. Hi. How, how's it? First and foremost, everyone's safe, happy, well. Yeah, yeah, I've got four children at home and the age range is between um, eight and two. So as you can imagine, my wife is very busy trying to homeschool those because they're all at different levels with their learning um, and they pretty much don't want to do the um, homeschooling. They're just sort of all about getting on, um, you know, Lego Batman on, on the PlayStation and stuff like that. So she's doing a really good job at home whilst I'm out working during the day. And thankfully, the um, weather hasn't been too uh, bad for us over the last few weeks whilst we've been in lockdown. So we've been able to get them out in the back garden and, you know, and um, running around and getting a bit of fresh air and stuff like that. Because imagine doing this lockdown yeah. um, shizzle in the middle of December. <laughs> well, if people don't start, yeah, if people don't stop dicking about, then we'll be in the same position. But that's another podcast for another conversation. <laughs> Let's talk about things we were actually um, educated on. So, yeah, tell us a bit more about yourself. Um, yeah, yeah, where are you from? So, yeah, what, what? I joined, um, you know, I, I left school, did a warehousing course, didn't really have any direction, didn't know what I wanted to do. Got a uh, MBQ in warehousing and distribution, was doing okay with it. And But I, I felt that there was sort of, I needed to do something a bit more adventurous. So I um, applied for the Navy. Um, at around the age of 19, so that probably would have been how about 2001, maybe. So I, I joined a year later at the age of 20 um, and did five years all the way up till 2007. Went on a few tours. Um, we did the Gulf, um, Falklands, South America, um, South Georgia, um, the Med. Did a, few, did, did a few sea days while I was there. Served on three ships, uh, HMS Invincible, which was my favourite draft. That was my first ship. Uh, went on HMS Liverpool for six months and then went to the Ark Royal when it came out of refit. So I was talking to someone yesterday, Matthew Pascoe. Oh, I know Matt, yeah. Yeah, and he was on about, um, you know, regiments or people been assigned to reg regiments. I might, I might have said that wrong. Or, you know, um, bases, right. yeah, something where you're assigned to your like home county like yeah. and, and from 
from my understanding, that doesn't really happen in the Navy. Was that was that just a fluke that you got oh, HMS sorry, Liverpool? Yeah. Well, a funny story about HMS Liverpool. Um, they uh, Because I was a gunner at the time, AW, which I think you were as well. Yeah, yeah. It was AW before it was C. Uh, I branch changed over to OMC, I think it was. Yeah, it was called Warfare C-Fest. Specialist when I joined. Yeah, but yeah. it's the yeah. same thing. So, and then, anyway, yeah. um, so uh, when I uh, left the Invincible... Um, the Gulf War was still on, and they I went into the drafting office, and because I was waiting for the Ark Royal to come out to refit, and it was in Scotland, Rossyth or Coldrow, somewhere like that, um, they said, right, you've got two options. You can either go um, with the Killick gunners on um, foot patrol in Basra, or you can go on HMS Liverpool and go down the Falklands. And, you know, the obvious choice was to go... Go, go to the Falklands on HMS Liverpool. But whilst with it being my hometown sort of um, draft, we did visit uh, Liverpool on, um, you know, we, we did a visit before we went down the Falklands and the captain was called Henry Duffy. He was a scouser as well. And um, I was on watch um, on the bridge whilst we were going into Liverpool and he let me jump in the seat whilst we went past the Liver buildings, which was like a huge honour, you know, to yeah, yeah. stay in your, your, your home ship into your home city. It was. Uh, I remember going there, and it was, it was probably the closest I got to a home visit, because I'm from yeah. North Wales, and I remember sailing yeah. past Landed No, and that was weird, because yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. you have to pass the yeah, That was a, a surreal experience, so I can't imagine what it was like actually going back to your hometown. Um, anyway, so yeah, you enjoyed your time in the Navy, or was, did yeah. you hate it? Yeah, enjoyed it, and, and, and then, you know, it was sort of, what do I stay in and, and carry on, and or, or and I've met a girl at the time and stuff like that, and, you know, I've done everything that I wanted to achieve in the, in the Navy, I've, you know, I've been, I've been all over to these amazing places and stuff like that, just ready for a new challenge, I guess. Um, I think what 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 was sort of getting me down at the time was sort of well not getting me down as such but you sort of you have to stick to other people's rules and I, I knew that I had this creative side and obviously that's shone since I've left by starting businesses and you know entrepreneurship and all the rest of it and when you're in the armed forces sometimes that's suppressed by the hierarchy shall we say yeah so do you remember a specific moment or were you on watch or you know uh, deployment when you went it was christmas duty studying the um studying in portsmouth on christmas day with my se80 um and the killer who i was on watch with was was a sound guy i got on with him but um and then the officer of the watch which was a junior officer um, delivered my Christmas dinner to me uh, with a Christmas hat on, and I was just like, I was just like, I've had enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> Be completely honest with you. <laughs> That's fair enough. And then was it the same back then? Like, what what was the process of your resettlement? Because I'm conscious that it was, you know, when was it? Two thousand and six, seven, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So when I put my notice in, uh, I found that there was sort of, I don't know, I don't. You probably will. But, you know, lots of people understand, you know, the reasons why people put the notice in, but then there's the, the old, they call them salty sea dogs, don't they? The people who have been in there all their lives and know nothing else, they resent you a little bit. So you find yourself sort of 
I was put in Nelson for the for, for uh, part of the remaining year, and I was just sent out doing. I think it was called workship. Is that right? Oh, when you get uh, when you go and work on the um, ships that are got, alongside. I was on the Victory for a while, which was fine. It was that was all right. Just watch keeping on the Victory, and the, and the guy who was on there, um, the PO was a really sound guy. So he used to let me work Monday to Thursday. And I'd just do like late days, early morning starts. And then he'd let me go home at like 10 a.m. on a Friday. So that was that was quite cushy, really. But then there was other places. I think there was a place called the Sail Loft Gym in the dockyard. Yeah, you know that place? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'd get sent there and, and they'd have you doing all sorts of crazy things, just like scrubbing the floors and stuff like that on your hands and knees. So it's where... Yeah, um, it's where I was going to say, it's just where... It didn't happen for me. Yeah, the sail-off gyms where ABs go to die. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The resettlement process didn't really happen for me because at the time, because I was on a minimum sort of... I'd done the minimum um, time in there. There wasn't really a lot on offer for me. They offered me a few different little courses, and I think one of them was to get a CSCS card to work on building sites and stuff like that. So... There wasn't, and I'd go to a few because I hadn't. Is it an enhanced learning credits? Mm, yeah, I'll yeah, see. I don't think I'd been, it accrued many of those to, to sort of, um, you know, to, to, to sort of go into anything really deeply. So what happened? You just left, or you? Right. Well, yeah. This is another thing that I want to sort of touch on, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably got questions about this. Is you know, at the time I was still a very young man, and I, and I sort of. I I thought I knew everything, so I didn't really put much effort into finding out what I wanted to do when I left. I just sort of wanted to leave, and I thought they'd be all right because, um, you know, I'm ex-military. Everyone's going to be knocking my door down to um, to employ me, mm. and, and, and really, cities don't care whether you're ex-military or not. They... So what happened? Did, did... Did people start knocking down your door? or No, you... never at all. And um, I ended up working in Tesco, um, order picking and um, shopping for the click and collect. Not click and collect, you know, home deliveries. Yeah. I just started. So I was in my local Tesco getting shouted at about sending the wrong um, Easter egg by somebody who, I don't know, it was just sort of, it, it was a big um, eye-opener. And then, funnily enough, I got a job working for a cleaning company who I worked for for about 18 months. Um, and that's where I gained the experience to open my own cleaning company. So, there's a massive, so from, from where I'm sitting, I know, yeah. I think we connected maybe the beginning of the year, maybe the back end towards last it was year. January, wasn't yeah, it? Re- relatively, relatively recently. So, from you leaving the navy, yeah, to you being like, you know, a successful business owner, you obviously yeah. you obviously know what you're doing on social media and LinkedIn from the outside. Yeah, let take us through that gap between say, uh, two thousand and eight to you know 2019 20, right i went working for the cleaning company and those got because the recession hit we used to do builders cleans which is going on building sites whenever the, a new house has been built we would go in clean the house down um ready for them to snag it the painters would come in and then we do a sparkle clean ready for the homeowners to move in yeah 
what happened then? The recession hit. They stopped building houses, which then meant no cleaners needed to go on the building sites to build uh, to do the builders' cleans. So we got laid off, um, and then I got a job in a call centre called Vertex in Kirby in uh, Liverpool, um, working on a job centre plus contract. So I was doing job searches for people over the phone. They were either in the job centre or in the house or in a phone box or whatever, helping them with the job searches. Um, but the beauty about that, and it might sound a little bit underhand, working for the job centre, I had the pick of the jobs um, when they came through the system. So as soon as they went on the system, before they went live on the job centre website, I'd seen them first. So I've seen a job, a sales job come up, uh, no, sorry, a customer service job come up in um, Auto Trader. Big, big, uh, you know, it's a big company, isn't it? Yeah. And um, I had a bit of luck there, really, because when I got to the interview, I got the interview, I got, got to the interview, and the customer service manager who was interviewing me happened to be in my year above me in school, right. where her name was. So, uh, and she lived next door but one to my mum. So um, I got the job, um, went working on the on customer services, and within three months, I'd, I'd applied myself that much. They moved me over to telesales and put me on, I think it was on about 28 grand plus commission then, yeah. which is quite a big jump from, you know, about a year or two before I was working in Tesco's. That's good money now, never mind back then. Yeah, yeah. So when Auto Trader taught me all the skills that I've got now, uh, obviously, I learned discipline and all the rest of it in the, in the armed forces. But I, I'm a true believer that each stage of your life, you learn all the skills that give you the outcome later on. So yeah. you, you're gathering all these skills. But working for a big digital media company in, in Auto Trader, they were social media was all coming out then. So we were teaching car dealers about social media. Within about 10 months of being on telesales, they moved me to field sales. Um, gave me a company car, gave me a, an area. I did that for about a year, and then they gave. I was a I was a field sales manager after that. So within the space of about two and a half years of joining Auto Trader, I'd gone from being on customer services, the newbie, to an to an area sales manager in charge of eight eight um, eight other salespeople. So that's where. Also, as well, when you get to about the age of 27, 28, I feel that's when people start to take you a little bit more seriously. Mm. Um, when, you, when you're a young person, um, you know, I remember going to people and saying about my business ideas for the marquee company, and they were like, yeah, as if that's going to happen. And, you know, there's no sweeter taste, is there, than when you sort of prove somebody wrong. No. Um, but, yeah, I got to the age of 27, 28, people started taking me a little bit more seriously. They started to realise the skills that I had, and, and the people around me in Auto Trader sort of let me just roll with it, and and, and it sort of brought the best out of me, and that's that that sort of yeah, that that was the main part of my career working yeah. for that digital media company. And you touched on it a second ago. Where did the the marquee idea come from? So, well, the marquee idea came from just um, I was in. I, I tried to hire a marquee myself. Yeah. And if you don't know much about the marquee industry, that there's marquees can be quite expensive to hire. Yeah. I only wanted to hire one for my back garden. And they were coming out with quotes, two and a half grand, whatever they were, just to put a marquee in my garden. So I thought, there's a bit of a gap in the market here where people just want to hire marquees for the garden. Um, and they want to spend a few hundred quid 
under a grand maybe. Um, so I just started to put a business plan together. I used to go and work, uh, meet this lady called um, Jill to write a business plan every Thursday after um, work. And it was quite a funny story, really, because she said, we can either rent a meeting room in a business premises somewhere in Liverpool City Centre, because she worked at John Moore's University, or we can meet in a pub. <laughs> we used to just sit in the corner of this pub with a Coke every Thursday night, writing my business plan, and it, you know, it sort of, she used to send me away with tasks. Sometimes she'd say, right, go away for two weeks now, we'll meet again in two weeks, and what if I was doing some sort of intense market research. And yeah, that's sort of where it where it was all born. I just sort of seen a gap in the market, did some research, bought a marquee, put my logo on yell.com, and, and it sort of just went from there, really. And then you started franchising that out. So yeah, yeah, I did. I've I've done it for seven, eight years now, maybe nine. Um, and it came. It you know I was getting inquiries from people in Edinburgh, London. And Surrey, Devon, wherever you can name it, all over the UK, people have rang me up and gone, "Do you come and put one of your marquees up on Saturday or whatever?" And it's like you're like two hundred miles away, mate. No, mm. I can't do that. So that's where the franchise idea came from. Obviously, the franchise sort of situation with the coronavirus thing that's going on now is sort of just um, we've just sort of rested it for a bit because you know I understand that nobody's going to want to open an event company at this moment in time but once you know we get back to any sort of sense of normality then we'll we'll carry on with that we had 50 inquiry uh, inquiries between january and march this year of people wanting to who were interested in buying a marquee hire franchise so you know it's just sort of rested for a bit so when did you decide, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because like I said, you might have been on LinkedIn for a long time and we might not have just been connected. What yeah. what, what sort of pointed you in that direction and how have you well, found it? I've been it? on LinkedIn for a long time. Yeah. But with LinkedIn, I, I, I sort of I knew that it was a social media platform for professionals, but I never kind of knew the how powerful it was. I, I was I've always been on there in some sort of entity with a... I just had a basic profile built, my CV on there, and everything else. But I never, I never knew that it would, it worked. So, you know, you you can use it as a massive tool for your business. So, um, I've kind of been on there properly maybe since about September or October last year. Has it helped? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Those fifty inquiries that I got for a franchise, most of them came through that platform. So. You know, if you sign 50 franchises up at £10,000 a pop, you know, it's half a million quid, isn't it? Just yeah. I, I, I follow the process of, um, you know, there's all different sort of people who teach LinkedIn, and I um, used Helen Pritchard's methods. I'm sure you know about her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the Chris Williams is quite good as well. There's a Gemma Connell. She's quite good. There's lots of different... There's different ways of using the platform. I don't know. Have you just have you just used it your own way? Um, I've taken like little bits of everyone. Yeah. Put them through the machine that is my brain, and yeah. sort of just worked it out for myself. But yeah. But no. That, but I have taken like I'm not like I've I've yeah I'm a big fan of what all of those people do. But I think still there has to be that individual 
side to I mean, it. Yeah, you've got to put your own sort of so like I, sometimes I'm a little bit jokey on there and stuff like that, and and, and some people say, oh, it's not Facebook and this that the other, but yeah, yeah. it's a social media platform. You're trying to get your personality over, and if that's me in real life, then why should I portray somebody else on? A social media platform that's yeah, not it's linkedin is just empty pipes we we, yeah. choo- we choose what to put on it and the, on the, the platform will be what it'll be personally um and i've said this loads of times i only talk about two things agile leaving the armed forces now that's not to say that i don't have opinions about something else yeah but again inspiration comes from from quite a few people and i like the way you know ricky gervais yeah. God, we're going down a rabbit hole now, but what I carry well, on. Right, yeah. He he um he, you know, with his jokes, he says, I only make I only make jokes that are bulletproof that I can justify. Now the yeah. way I've translated that in my own approach to, to content is I'm only gonna post stuff that I can justify saying and that I oh, can yeah, yeah. That, that I can back up. I'm not gonna get into an argument about politics although i've got my own opinions i've never i've never ever put anything political on no because it... political views but I, I feel that social media isn't sort of the best but political sort of discussions can always turn bad oh they and you never you never come you never come out unscathed and the the, the, the two or three times where i have posted something that isn't on those two categories leaving the forces yeah. Or agile because they're the things I can actually justify posting about, and I can back up what I'm saying. It, it's just gone totally wrong. So yeah, I yeah. think you. But yeah, all those people are are, are really are really um inspirational, and they've obviously, you know, done really well off the back of it. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, to see. LinkedIn as well. Like I sort of just sort. I let my personality come out, but I won't like sort of go too far over the market. If that makes sense, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I want people to know who I am. And, you know, I do swear in real life and stuff like that, but it, it, that's just one of everyone does. I'm, I'm sure most people do, but, um, you know, there is a line, isn't there, really? You know, you don't want to portray yourself as some sort of potty mouth, you know, imbecile on there. So, yeah, I, 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 I love the platform. I've, I've made so many friends off there um, over the, the last few months, and I'm the sort of friends that I'll probably be in touch with for the rest of my days, I'm guessing, you mm. know, but I'm hoping. So back to the the intro, I mentioned the the what is it, the British Armed Forces Resettlement Community on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I remember you putting out, you know, a, a, a very passionate post, that and since then you you went you went. I had a couple of swear words. In yeah, it as well. you, yeah, but I, that was sort of that was really just off the cuff. I was fuming because I just seen see so many people like saying that they can't get jobs because of and. I, what is that that phrase that was on there? The uh, ex armed forces stigma. Right. Okay. And what is that? Like that shouldn't even be a thing in this day and age. You know, like you know, there's a whole array of people in a, a massive spectrum of people in the armed forces. But if you look at it, the way I look at it is that those people have signed up to serve serve this country, and if we went to war those guys would be sent there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, and much like yourself, you know, you, you signed up for that and if that eventuality happened, you'd, you'd go because that's what you'd signed up for. So when they come out, when people come out of the armed forces, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be handed anything on a plate 
or I, I, I feel that they should they should have some sort of you know recognition or I, I don't know how it would be sort of um, set out but definitely more than the, there is now and and the way that people are treated upon leaving sometimes is just horrific. So what is this community all about? Like it because it's oh yes, I'll I'll backtrack. Yeah, what is the community all about? And then I'll ask the other question. Right. So I I made the community um, with the vision of it's a it's a community where people can feel comfortable with helping each other out. So there's people who leave the navy who put a question up in there about maybe pensions or something like that. And all the army lads, all the RAF girls and boys will help that person out. It's a tri-service community where we have a bit of banter about, um, you know, being in the different services and stuff like that. And it's great. But the community, for being a tri-service community, the the way that people interact in there is phenomenal. I never ever sort of envisaged that many people join in there. Well, that's what I was going to say. But what's that growth been like? Because when did you so, when did you start it? Let's start off there. Uh, I think it was in January. I so some, sometime in January, and within the first week, I had about three thousand people in there. It's growing. It's it slowed down a lot now, and it was never going to carry on. Yeah. Um, you know, flying along at, at that sort of speed, but you know, there are people. There's probably about a hundred people a week joining now. Maybe fifty, hundred, something like that. But the great thing about that is that the people who are maybe putting the notice in or, you know, signing off now, they're going on to Facebook and putting resettlement in, finding our group and they're getting help in there, which, and, and there's people from training courses and stuff like that who put office, offers up in there for ELCs. So yeah. people can find courses in there. They can just ask a question if they're stuck with something. If they need a little bit of a sort of, um, you know, a bit of a push with motivation, you know, because it, it's, a, it's a very dark place at times, resettlement. And from what I'm hearing, even now, when I went to that resettlement event that you attended to, spoke to the guys down there, and, you know, it, it's, it's a very sort of uncertain time, isn't it, when, mm. you, when you're coming out of the forces. So it's yeah. just a community where we can all sort of help each other out, look after each other, and point each other in the right direction. Yeah, you've got like very specific but fair rules as well. I've noticed. Yeah, well, they're very specific, and I pull it. I police. I do police it a bit, and you know, some sometimes people will report comments in there and stuff like that. And I think if I think it's out of order, I give people chances as well. Though, if they, you know, when you've been in the armed forces, some we do have sort of outspoken sort of mm. views on things, don't we? You know, you you've lived in a mess deck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'll police it, I'll give people chances, but if they overstep the mark, then they just get booted out. And because we want a nice, peaceful place where people feel comfortable um, talking in the community. Ah, oh, it's brilliant to hear. They want that, you know, they have that safe environment. For, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I'll link it in the, the description as well, if you're happy okay. with that, um, so yes. people can, can join it. <clears throat> so, what does, what, yeah, what's today look like, especially in these. I'm not. Oh yeah, I'm not going to use any of the, the buzzwords. Things are weird. We all we all get that. But yeah, what what's life looking like at the moment? So life. Uh, well, you know me, Jack. Anyway, I you know I, I it, I'm a very sort of determined person, and and 
it's got you'd have to chop chop my legs off or something like that to stop me from moving forward. So yeah, the the last the last few weeks has been a bit testing because my marketing hire business has just sort of completely stopped. Um, but we I do sell marquees as well, so they've been continuing to sell even more so than they probably would at this time of year because people need coverings for different things. Um, I've just sold some to a school this morning. Um, and then I'm really excited about the new venture, which is the cleaning business, which I started a couple of weeks ago, started trading on Monday and we're already signing business up already. So yeah, that's quite exciting. So really coming out of the coronavirus situation, I might end up with two or three businesses rather than just the one. Brilliant. More time away from home. I'm sure you miss us all. But yeah. Yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> um, so we did have a question. I probably put this out a bit too late actually but I put out on LinkedIn that I was interviewing you and you know if anyone had any questions Mike Winnett which those of you who are on LinkedIn might be aware of who that is I think he's just yeah. had a, a YouTube or a podcast conversation with um, Ollie Ollerton so Ollerton, yeah. yeah the guy from um, he was in the SBS but he's from that Who Dares Wins program so yeah. Mike Mike's question was this might be a two-part answer, depending on, yeah. you know, because you left quite a while ago. I left a long do, time ago, yeah. yeah. Do you feel there is enough support for ex-military returning to Civvy Street after serving? Well, it is a bit of a two-part question because I can only really, ex- I can only really talk on the experience of, A, what, what it was like when I left, Mm. And it wasn't really that good when I left. I mean, I can't speak for the people who had been in for longer service than me. I'm sure they got, a, you know, a, a bit of a better service than I did. But definitely for people who were doing the shorter term, five years or whatever it is, four years, three months, and then leave, um, there was not really really anything. I mean, did you do minimum term? No, uh, seven, well, just shy of seven, like six years and nine months. Okay. So. Um and then, and then the, the, the second part of the answer, I can only really sort of talk from um, a perspective of listening to other service people and, you know, sort of being the custodian of the Facebook group. Mm. Um, and I think there is help for people leaving the armed forces, but I think th- there's a huge problem, and this might be a little bit controversial for me to say, and I can, I, again, this is from my experience, You've got to own your own stuff. You, you've got to take ownership. If you're leaving the armed forces, I didn't do anything. I thought that I knew it all and I would get handed work on a plate and it didn't happen. And that's the message I try and tell people is there is, your resettlement's great. You've got to start early, make a plan. There's a guy called Gary Rapid. Gary, yeah, yeah. Gary Rapid. yeah, yeah. Bad money, yeah, last week. Yeah, he, he's been on your podcast. And Gary, Matt Pasco, and another guy called Lewis Matthews. Matthews, yeah. Um, those three guys from, you know, an outsider looking in and speaking to all three of them, those guys are, are good people to follow on LinkedIn because if you're leaving the armed forces, because those guys have got a plan. They, they know what, what they want to do. They know the outcome and they know how they're going to get there. Mm. And... Um, if you just sort of put your sign off or put your notice in and leave your resettlement to three years before you, sorry, three months before you leave or until you've actually left, then you're setting yourself up for failure. That 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 sort of 
I've seen a few people at the um, the event that I attended that you did, um, and I asked them questions about what the plan was, and not some of them didn't even have a plan, and I was like, that's scary. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question now, which someone asked me, yeah. and I, I didn't know how to answer it. Yeah. But I will answer it, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts as well. So this was someone asked me this, who had served, I'm not going to name names, but um, this individual said, do you think ex-forces or people leaving the armed forces are put on an unnecessary, an unnecessary pedestal because thousands of people leave jobs every day? So do you, so... I, I don't think they, they do. I mean, to, when I got the cleaning job in the cleaning company and I went for my interview and said, yeah, I left the armed forces six months ago, he mm. gave me a job there and then because I was ex-forces. Yeah. But I think it's a sort of mixed bag. I, I, I agree. I listened to one of your sort of um, presentations um, when we were at that resettlement event and you made a very, very valid point that people, when you join a workplace... If you're on the same money as someone else who works there and you're not trained to the same standard as they are because you've just learned and you're still learning and everything else, you can actually be quite a bit of a hindrance to them because, mm. oh, here it is, Ian's asking this question again or doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. But you're on the same money as them. They, they can see you as a bit of a hindrance sometimes. Sometime. Yeah, I think for me, <sighs> there is lots of help out there. But I don't know if it's the right help. And what I mean yeah. by that is, rightly or wrongly, we people who leave are put mostly into the same pot, right? Yeah. And, and do I think there is a massive difference between someone in any of the forces, I'm not going to name a specific one because they're all like very similar in a lot of ways, is there a difference between someone who is a... Um, been on a base been you know been doing payroll you know they've done a couple of deployments but nothing you know and I'm saying this because you know I didn't do anything that dangerous do I think there's a difference between someone doing logistics on a base or doing payroll to someone who's been done tour after tour after tour on the front line yes I do and that's just my opinion I don't think you can I don't think you can put them to individuals on the same sort of platform. Yeah, I, th but, I, I agree with that. I think there should be some sort of restructuring. And, you know, with also as well, one point that I, did, I thought that I did want to make when I was sort of driving to the office to come and do the podcast, and it's very important with it being Mental Health Awareness Week, that um, people leaving the armed forces because of the uncertainty and maybe the situations that they have served in, um, there needs to be more help from a mental health perspective. Yeah, yeah, there's all the courses under the sun, isn't there? And just going back to that, just so I finish off that point, I think there's a lot of help out there, great help, but like you just said, I don't know if it's necessarily the right help because we're all put in the same sort of pot where some people's needs, because of their experience, are going to be greater than you know someone like me who just served on ships. And I'm not like glossing over the fact that there were some rubbish times but I'm not going to sit here and compare that to you know two tours yeah that. two tours of Helmand province like they're, they're just yeah. not they're, they're just not like on the same level it's so, apple and orange isn't it yeah, yeah so although there is a lot of support out there I, I, I think sometimes because everyone's put in the same pot a lot of the time 
not the right yeah. support isn't there for the people who actually need it. Just to finish, yeah. just to wrap that that point up. In a sense that's sort of maybe into maybe eight or ten different pots where people can sort of be suited to a category where it reflects what service they've actually done. Yeah, I think so. But again, people will agree, and some people will will disagree with that, and it would take a lot of. I wonder if the MOD would pay us to um, restructure it for well, the world according to, to Jack and Ian. But like, <laughs> I, but this, but I, like the people, you know, the CTP. I have to like bang home the point that they're doing like fantastic work, much like you know John Stephen and the Forces Transition Group are. Yeah. But do I think they'd be a better off if they combined their sort of heads and maybe they have you know maybe i'm talking out of turn and then you've got um you know the ctw which is like the what is like um the work the the events where you go around different stalls i think sometimes there's so much out there that people can become a bit blinded by that as well and confused as well because i I notice as well like that coming out of the army Near enough, everyone who comes out of the army wants to be a project manager. Now, being a project manager is great, but what I've sort of noticed is they're not sort of niched down into what they want to project manage, if that makes sense. So they're sort of, yeah, coming out, we're going to be a project manager. Maybe niche into a certain industry where you want to be a project manager, and that's sort of where you come in. I get it all the time, and it's through no fault of their own, you know, people message and say because that's what they are they are project managers yeah but 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 they say i want to go into project management have you got any advice and the first thing i say is right what do you mean by that do you mean it do you mean construction do you mean engineering because i'm not the guy i'm not the guy to give you advice about engineering and construction project management it yeah yeah, i can give you a bit but what what do you mean by project management like yeah yeah that's a that's that's a good point i was asking at the um the show yeah the road show because yeah i feel that you've as well that this is another point that i made on one of the oh, i can't remember where it was oh it was on the in webinar that, that i did a, i did a presentation on a webinar for the forces transition group a few weeks ago yeah. and it, it's very very important that you know this is your second career when you come out of the armed forces it's your second career and it's very very important to choose something that you think you're going to like doing for you know an extended period of time because yeah. if you choose the wrong thing then you're going to be back to square one in a couple of years time so it, you've got to put a lot of thought into that and a lot of research into choosing what it actually is um, that you want to project manage or whatever it is that you're going to go into yeah and start showing people that you you want to do that as well yeah which is why linkedin is such a powerful um powerful tool but yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want anyone to, to get the wrong idea. I don't think either of us are saying there's no help. It's just maybe that could be filtered and tailored a yeah, bit better. Definitely. Yeah, um, definitely restructured in some sort of... Um, and, you know, that's above my pay grade, isn't it, and, and yours, I'm guessing, that it's got to be sort of looked at because resettlement's sort of just been the same. From, from, from what I can see, it's just sort of... It's resettlement and it's been left that way for a long time. And, oh, you know, the outside world changes all the time. So that needs to change to reflect what's yeah. happening in the outside world. And I don't think anyone's expecting perfection, right? But there's so many little pockets of different things now 
you know, um, different organisations are doing things, you know, insight days, you know, podcasts like this, and, you know, getting actual stories from real people, and there's obviously things that are missing. Yeah. You know, but I, I haven't got the answer to, to how, no. how they get we, rectified, we unfortunately. For a very long time and probably never come to the right answer. I mean... Yeah, I think it's got to come from the top. I think they've got to sort of sit down. Somebody's got to say somewhere along the lines, right, this isn't working. What can we do about it? Mm. Um, well, they've got, um, what's his name now, haven't they? The, the, that M- Johnny Mercer, is it? He's like well, the MP for exactly. veterans. He's quite a good guy, him, you know. Um, I follow quite a bit of his stuff. Is he an MP for Plymouth or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I follow him, and he does sort of, he gets things done from what I've noticed. He's had a few things past through Parliament and stuff like that. Mm. And then um, the guy who's a member of my, uh, of our group, it's not mine, it's, it's a community, um, called Pete Berridge. Um, and he, I think he works at Barclays now. He went through the same process that you went through when you left. Right. That I, uh, I work for a company called FDM. FDM, yeah, so he went through that and he got into Barclays. Anyway, cut a long story short, he served with Johnny Mercer and uh, he's told Johnny Mercer about the group and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, I think they just need a few more Johnny Mercers to all get in a room and um, get things done. A few team, few rounds of team biscuits, mate. Get some decisions made. <laughs> um, yeah, that'll sort it out. Um, so, yeah, a long and vast ranging conversation there yeah. um, any final thoughts mate any nuggets of advice before I let you go I just, I love, just my my sort of only advice and I've just covered it off that when you when you leave nobody else is going to take your and do your resettlement for you it is your resettlement take ownership of it get a folder get some pucker pads and a box of new pens yeah. and start making a plan and write everything down even if it's just a thought it might be a load of rubbish that you scribble out in the end but that thought might sort of journal what you're doing on a day-to-day basis like yeah. i've seen some of the, the thought boards the um, brainstorming exercises that gary radford does and he that guy's gonna gonna go to the top somewhere down yeah. the line because he, he's he's putting the foundations in yeah Cool. So that's that's my, my only tip. All right, mate. Well, yeah, pleasure to spend, uh, yeah. what is it? What are we on? 50, 50-ish minutes with you. Um, yeah. Hope you enjoyed this conversation, guys. Hopefully we, yeah, we, we spoke about some stuff that, yeah, was probably quite difficult in I'm terms sure of... I'm sure extend this offer as well, Jack, that if anybody wants to link up with me on LinkedIn, Jack will share my profile in the comments below. And if they want to take this sort of conversation offline you know away from the podcast and they want to ask me any advice or they want to just sort of drop me drop me a message then you know i'll extend that offer to anybody yeah i'll put ian's uh linkedin and the the facebook group in the in the description of the podcast but yeah yeah we, we spoke about a few things that maybe are quite raw for some people but they're just two two blokes opinions not to say that's not to say we're right we're just trying to offer honest um yeah, commentary, I suppose, on the way we see the world. Um, if you like this podcast, please take some time to give it a um, review or, you know, five stars, hopefully, on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. Any feedback is welcome. Hope you got some value from it. 
Hope you're safe and well, and I'll speak to you soon.